You may be seated. I don't know about you, but when the choir sang that anthem, there's part of me just wanted to get up and applaud even before you stopped. And when they got to that last uh, stanza, that last uh, crescendo, it was like, oh, this is so great. I just wanted to kind of start start singing along or something, or clapping or whatever. That was just, it was what a beautiful witness of faith. And uh, we are so blessed uh, week in and week out with, uh, with that kind of wonderful music. So thank you always for that ministry, uh, for that witness that, that blesses us each, each and every week. We're continuing on in our series uh, entitled Instruments of Thy Peace based on the prayer of St. Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. We're at the phrase this morning, we're talking about doubt and faith. And as we get to that particular phrase, it says, Lord, where there is doubt, let me sow faith. And so as we look at that particular phrase, I'd want to refer us again to some of the scripture that Florence read just earlier about as the disciples of John come to Jesus and they're led by the question that John uh, invites them to bring to Jesus. And the question is this, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Jesus' response, go and tell John what you see and what you hear, that the blind receive their sight, that the lame walk, that the lepers are cleansed, that the deaf hear, that the dead are raised, that the poor have good news that are brought to them. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one? So as we come into this time and think together about doubt and about faith, I'd invite us to embrace that question and how that question would speak to us in our doubts and in our faith. And I'd invite us to join together in the prayer of St. Francis. We do it each and every week so that it might be kind of ingrained in us as we move through the season of Lent. So I'm going to invite us to join together aloud. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant me that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we're always grateful for the ways that we can gather as people of faith and people of doubt, and that you are Lord of all, and that in these moments that you would lead us both in our faith and through our doubts to be with you to live life with you, to find how life with you can lead us to places that we might never anticipate or expect and grow us in grace in ways that we would never have thought possible. And so, Lord, we we thank you 
that we can come into these moments guided by your word of truth, by your light of love. Fill our hearts, fill our minds, that we might follow you more fully and faithfully. In and through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Henry Nouwen is a renowned author. He's a Roman Catholic priest. And when he was reflecting on faith and doubt, he, he talked about spending some time with the flying roadways. And you ask, who are the flying roadways? Well, they are a trapeze act in a circus that's equivalent of Barnum and Bailey over in Germany. And so Nouwen reflects on the, on the trapeze act as he reflects on faith and doubt. And he says, you know, this is how a trapeze act works. You know, with a trapeze act, there is the flyer and there is the catcher. And what the flyer does is the flyer climbs up this rope ladder in the circus. And, you know, they climb up the rope ladder, they get to this platform. When they get to this platform that is way above the circus floor, they grab hold of the trapeze bar and they swing. And they swing out across the floor of the circus and the, the, front, the flying roadways were one of those groups that didn't use a net. You know, that's kind of, that's, that was one of their trademarks. So they're, they're out there swinging across uh, this is open circus floor. And as, as the flyer swings, you know, they pump higher and higher and they accelerate. And as they accelerate, it's almost like they're at the top of, of the big top. And when they get way up there right toward the top, what they do is they let go of the bar. And when they let go of our, they fly through the air. It's like they're soaring up almost to the, to the very tippy top of the big top. And when they get up right up to that very zenith point, right up to that pinnacle point, now one says that that is like a moment of truth. It's like a point of truth right there. Because right from that point, they start to fall. Right from that point, they start, you know, they start to plummet down, and as they start to plummet down, what makes a trapeze act, the, the reason the trapeze act is part of the circus, and the reason we go is that everybody that's sitting there, you know, in the audience of the, of the circus, they're always thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I mean, you know, uh, you know, man, I hope somebody's going to catch him, and, and, you know, your blood pressure starts to rise, whether you like it or not. It's the tension, it's the drama of the moment that draws you into the act. And so everybody in the, in the audience says, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? You know? And even as everybody's wondering what's going to happen, now one says, you know what? The flyer, they never wonder that. That is not where the flyer is. The flyer has an assurance of things hoped for. The flyer has a conviction of things not seen. And that is the definition of faith in the scriptures, as you may know, an assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. The flyer has that in their mind. I mean, they've done this hundreds and thousands of times and they wouldn't climb to the platform if they didn't have that faith. And they wouldn't swing out if they didn't have that faith. And they wouldn't let go if they didn't have that faith. And they wouldn't soar if they didn't have that faith. Then what happens is the flyer has that faith. And so they can go up. And they can let go. And they can soar. And they can fall. Because what they know is that there's a catcher. What they know is that there's a catcher. 
and that the catcher has been watching them every step of the way. And what the catcher has done is the catcher has timed their swing kind of in perfect synchrony with the flyer. And so what the catcher has done is they've kind of planned exactly how things are going to work. And so just at the moment where we're watching the flyer fall, the all of a sudden you sing the catcher swing up. And as the catcher swings up, what the catcher does is clasps hold of the flyer and carries the flyer and carries the flyer home. And now one says that that is the faith of the flyer, that the catcher is always there, that the catcher is there to clasp hold of them and to carry them and to make sure that they get safely home. I think the scripture this morning invites us to have the faith of the flyer. I think John the Baptist in this morning is invited to have that faith of the flyer because when you begin to, to look at John the Baptist, I think in so many ways he is in that very position. You know, he had the faith that let go and that let God, and so he followed the call of God out into the wilderness, as Diane said, and he, he preached out there and he preached this message of repentance, you know, a message of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And so he preaches that word. And, and so people flocked to him and his ministry. He soared in his ministry. Hundreds came and thousands came. And he baptizes in the Jordan. And so, you know, you, you see his ministry just growing in the popularity. But when we come to this particular point in the scripture, what's happened is he started to plummet. He started to fall. He's imprisoned by Herod. And Herod, as you may know in the scriptures, is a bad guy. He's a really bad guy, and John the Baptist is about to have his head on a platter, and you all know how that story works too. And, and so John is in a very, very difficult place, and so he sends his disciples to Jesus with this question. You know, now that I find myself in that place falling, I need to know, are you the catcher? Are you the one? Are you the one in whom I can trust? Are you the one in whom I can put my faith? Are you the one in whom I know that you'll grasp hold of me, that you'll carry me, that you'll get me home? Are you that one? And I love how Jesus answers John because his answer, is, in my mind, is, is not really like a straight-out answer. It's not like he says, hey, you know, yes, I am the one, I am the Lord, I'm the Messiah, hey, come to me, and, and, you know, this is how it works. That's not what he says. Instead, what he says is almost like this question. It's like he says, like, look around. Tell me what you see. And as they look around, what they see is that they're not the first ones to ask the question, are you the one? What they see is that there's a crowd around Jesus, and the crowd are those who've been blind, those who've been lame, those who've been the lepers, those who are grieving the dead. And that crowd has, has been drawn by that question, are you the one? And they have all come to Jesus because they're looking to him to be that one, to be that catcher. They have that faith. And so John says, look around and tell me what you see. And I love how Frederick Buechner reflects on this. He, he talks about it like this. He says, Jesus' answer, John's disciples, 
Go tell John what you see. People have sold their seeing-eye dogs and taken up bird watching. Others have traded in their aluminum walkers for hiking boots. The down are up, and the up-and-coming, uh, the down and the up are the up-and-coming, and the deadbeats are living it up for the first time in their lives. Go and tell people what you see, because there is good news to be seen. Go and cheer that good news. And so they're invited to take that step of faith. That's how Jesus responds to them, to see and to take a step of faith, that he is the one. And I want to tell you, friends, I, I think for us, Jesus comes and the scripture comes with that same invitation, that same invitation to embrace him as the one, and that invitate in the context of that invitation to let go so he can so that we can let God. Just like the flyer lets go. We let go. So we can let God. That we'd be willing to soar. That we'd be willing to walk with life in ways of love that we've never experienced before because we're walking alongside of the Christ. And so we seek to walk by ways of faith, by ways of grace, and experience what that means. And they were invited even in those times when we feel like we're falling, when we feel like the bottom has gone out from under us, when life is plummeting. We're invited even in those moments to know that we have one who catches us, one who carries us, one whose strength would be our strength one who gets us home. We're invited to have the faith of the flyer. And I think Jesus, as Jesus comes, he always comes with that invitation to you and to me. And I wish it was just as, I wish the way we could do things is just say yes, yes to all of the above. And it was really that simple. You know, I wish it was that way. But what I find, and maybe you find too, is that sometimes I say yes, and sometimes I'm a person of faith, and sometimes I wonder, and sometimes I have questions, and sometimes I think, you know, well, what's going on in my life, and why did this happen in my life, and what is this all about, and so, Jesus, if you're the one, what's going on with this, and so, where I find myself, and maybe where you find yourself, is yes, I'm a person of faith, and yes, I'm a person of doubt, that I have both going on in my life, and you may have both going on in your life as well. And I think the beautiful thing is that that's part of what it means to be a human being, to have faith and have doubt. And that's also part of what it means to be a Christian, to have faith and have doubt. And to know that Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all both of faith and of doubt. And in fact, when you begin to put the two together, you find that they're not always at odds. They're not always enemies, that indeed doubt has a, a significant role to play in how we live as people of faith. Doubt, Frederick Buechner says, is the ants in the pants of faith. The ants in the pants of faith. What that means is that doubt invites us to ask questions. 
Doubt invites us to wonder. Doubt invites us to think. Doubt invites us not to take things at face value just because the preacher says so, but doubt invites us to, to kind of expand and to, and to grow in God's grace because we are willing to ask questions. One of the things I love about being a Methodist and maybe one of the things you love about being a Methodist is that when we come into church, I've never asked you to check your brain at the door. Never. You, never, you won't find that in any Methodist church. We invite people to come, we invite people to wonder, we invite people to question because we know that what that does is it keeps our faith alive, it keeps our faith vital, it does not let our faith grow stale, it does not let your faith grow lazy. And so we can ask questions. And even as we ask questions, the beautiful thing I think about that is that, that that's the way Jesus taught. Jesus didn't come along, and when you look through the scriptures, he didn't always come along and give all the answers. What he did was, as people talked with Jesus, as they came to Jesus, see how many questions Jesus asked when he responded to people. And what the questions always do is they ask us to think for ourselves, and they ask us, they're an invitation to take a step of faith. What our doubts do for us is they actually ask us to think, and to examine, to grow, and to take an additional step of faith. So doubts can help our faith be healthy, and doubts can also help our faith be humble. See, faith has a confidence, but it's a quiet confidence. Faith doesn't go out and, and crow. Uh, you know, I, I, I love... Um, what uh, John Ortberg says. He says, no one likes a faith know-it-all. I don't know if you've ever been around a faith know-it-all, but they know all the answers to everything that God wants about what God would have us to do. And you sit in a room with a person who's a faith know-it-all, and, and they can tell you, tell you all about that. And, and one of the things that Ortberg does, uh, he, he quotes Susan B. Anthony, and, and Susan B. Anthony, who's heads on, you know, on, the, on the silver dollar, Susan B. Anthony said this, she says, I always <clears throat> distrust people who know exactly what God thinks and what God says and what God would have us to do, and the reason I distrust them is because what they think God thinks and says, and what God would have us to do, always happens to coincide with what they think, and what they would say, and what they would do. And it's just in that coincidence there that uh, all of a sudden, it's, she says, I just look at that and I wonder about that. You know, doubt helps us to be humble those places of our faith. I love the way that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage that, that so many of us love about the love chapter, you know, but he says in that particular chapter that our knowledge is imperfect and our prophecy is imperfect and those are things that will pass away. And that, you know, what he's unfolding for us is that as people of faith we participate in the miracle and in the mystery of God. And as we participate in the miracle and the mystery of God, to participate in that is to participate as people of faith and participate as people who allow ourselves to wonder about that and have questions about that. And so we're invited to come in both ways. And we're invited to know that sometimes faith and doubt can coexist in lives 
in our lives in ways that we might least expect it. There was a young woman whose name was Agnes. And Agnes, in, her, in the early part of her life, saw God everywhere. Everywhere she looked, she saw the face of God. And as she looked and she saw the face of God, it led her into mission, and into ministry, and into serving God. And she went forward and she served God in some of the most, dis, um, I'm going to say, distressed places uh, with some of the poorest people on the face of the earth. Some of the most dispossessed, marginalized, outcasts. She stepped into those places because when she looked into those faces, she saw the face of Christ. In her brother and sister, she saw the face of Jesus Christ. And so that's what led her into the ministry, and that's what led her into her mission. And that was her passion, that was her fire. But as she went along in that faith, there was a point in time in her path and in her journey where she lost that sense of the presence, where she could no longer see the face of Christ and the other faces into which she looked. And she even began to reflect on herself and wonder about herself as a person of faith. And she began to experience herself instead as a person of doubt. And she continued to push forward in her ministry and in her mission, but deep within her there was this, this doubt and these questions. And she recorded them in a diary, in her diary. And her diary was published posthumously. And let me read to you a quote from her diary. Where's my faith? Even deep down, right in, there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain. It pains without ceasing. I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd in my heart and make me suffer untold agony. So many unanswered questions live within me. I'm afraid to uncover them because of the blasphemy. If there be God, please forgive me. If there be a God, please forgive me. Now these were published posthumously and what happened was people read these memoirs and they looked at Agnes's life and as they looked at Agnes's life they said, hey, you know, we knew this all along about her. We knew that she was a fake. Because on the outside, there's this ministry and this mission, and on the inside, there's this doubt. For some people, what the memoirs proved was that she didn't have integrity. And for other people, what it proved is that she had ultimate integrity. What it proved was that she had ultimate faith, because she had a faith that moved beyond feelings. She had a faith that moved beyond sensing the presence of God. She had a faith that even when she was struggling with her own doubt, she continued to reach out in prayer to God and prove that she was, had an ultimate faith. And so she became a saint, not only for the suffering, she became also a saint for the skeptics. And you may not know Alan Agnes by her full name. Her full name is Agnes Boachi. But you do know her by the way the world knows her, because Agnes 
is Mother Teresa. A person of faith, a person of doubt, a person for whom these both dwelt together in her heart and how she continued to live forward as one who followed the Christ. See, we can be people with faith and people with doubt. And what happens is, as we find ourselves in that place in life, life does ask us all, I believe, every person, what I consider ultimate questions. And ultimate questions are questions such as these. What is my meaning and what is my purpose? God has given me one life. How should I live it? And ultimate questions are questions such as this. There is pain and there is suffering in my life or in the life of someone I love. Why is this happening? Or an ultimate question is something like this. I will die. And when I die, what is my future? See, there are ultimate questions. And when we find ourselves in that place of those ultimate questions, I always pray that I would be a person of faith. And I pray that you would be a person of faith, and I bet you we pray for each other that we'd all be people of faith. And I'd also know that sometimes when you come into those face of those ultimate questions, that there are doubts. There are questions. There are wonderings. And we need to own those two. We need to know that that's part of being a disciple too. In fact, if you doubt that, I just encourage you to see and look at Jesus' disciples and kind of how much doubt was part of their lives. Jesus is always talking to them about having no faith <laughs> or encouraging them to have faith the size of a grain of the mustard seed. If you had this much faith, something could really start happening around here. You know, I mean, really what you begin to see is that following Christ is a matter of faith and also knowing that we may have doubts in the face of the giant questions that we face in our lives. But even as people of faith and people of doubt, what we're invited to do is to come, to come and know that Jesus is the one. You know, kind of whether we wonder about that or not, we're invited to come and know that Jesus is the one, that he is the one who invites us Take a step of faith, to have the faith of a flyer, to have that faith that, that comes to him with our questions, with our doubts, with our faith, and, and as we come into his presence, to begin to find what he has for us, the good news that is there for you and for me. Because I want to tell you, friends, not only does, now we're invited to be in that place as people of faith, and this is one last thing, as flyers of faith, that all of us have people in our lives and in those circles of friendship and those circles of family in which we find ourselves, there are people who are trying to answer those ultimate questions and they're trying to answer other questions too. And they may not have much faith at all but they might have lots of questions and they may have lots of concerns and they may have lots of doubts. And what happens when you and I come alongside of them is that your presence 
can provide for them a peace. And that your presence in being with them and listening to their doubts and listening to their concerns and listening to the questions, listening to where they are, when we're with them in that way, it becomes an invitation in and through you to come to the, to the one who is the one, to come to Jesus Christ. Because this, I believe, is the reality of faith is that we're not all simply flyers, but you and I are also catchers. We are also catchers. There are people around you, there are people around me who need to know that they can have doubts, and that's okay, and that they can have faith, and that is great, and that Jesus, Jesus is the one Jesus is the Lord of all. And so, dear friends, in that faith, I invite us to bow our heads, to join our hearts, to be in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks that where there is doubt, you invite us to be people who have faith, to know that faith and doubt both are part of our lives, but your spirit and your spirit moves in the midst of all, so that you are Lord of all, that you help us to see as your people that you are with us always, no matter where we are in our lives, and that you are the one who holds us and who leads us. And Lord, we pray that in that faith, we would be those who would walk with others as well, care for others as well, seek to bring your grace and your peace to others as well, that it might be an invitation to them to take a step of faith, to know you as the one. And Lord, we ask and pray that we might live in that truth, always to your glory, through Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Invite us to stand. We're going to join in singing together our closing hymn, Open My Eyes That I Might See. Let's rise and let's sing.